Hi, this is Michael. And this is Shane. And this is Dad Pods. We have a, a very special episode um, for you today. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, reason to do something light and humorous uh, with, with everything that's going on in the world. We wanted to, you know, be a part of it. Uh, so we are going to do something a little different for Dad Pods. Uh, and if it's a little awkward, I apologize. I'm going to be reading some prepared uh, notes that we put together. So uh, here we go. I'm a white guy. I don't leave my home ever scared of what might happen to me. I'm not scared of a police cruiser as it passes by and may slow ever so slightly. I don't even get scared of a pickup truck with bearded white guys in them. That is part of my privilege. I teach my son that if he gets in trouble, find a police officer. I don't have to tell him to be extra careful, to approach an office with, officer with both hands visible, to practice how to interact with the police so he won't get beat up, arrested, or murdered. I don't have to train him to never give an officer an excuse to pull a gun or a baton. When I am silent, or when white people are silent, we are complicit. We are allowing this to happen. We are part of the problem. If we do not speak truth to this power, we keep people of color subjugated. We allow our police to retain its white supremacy history and present and, and history and present and do not force it into force it into change. Racism is not a problem of black and brown people, but is certainly a problem that affects them. It is a white person problem. It is not enough to just not be racist anymore. This can only be solved by white people changing our behavior. Getting rid of all the bad cops, all the racists, white supremacists in our police departments would be a good start. Um, and I'm sick of people who do racist things and the defense is always, look into my soul. I don't hate, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I don't care what you think deep down. Bleep all of that. If you do racist things, you are a racist. Making it harder for people, for people to vote is racist. Putting a knee to the neck of a black man you are arresting, pinning him to the ground, choking him while he pleads for his life is racist. I don't care what's in your soul. Um, a lot of people have kind of attacked the protesters that are out in the streets protesting for their freedoms and their rights. Uh, the notion of a peaceful protest is an oxymoron. First, people in power hate any protests, whether it be Kaepernick, LeBron, Megan Rapinoe, the hashtag Oscars so white movement from a few years ago, all of those are peaceful. And each of those people, each of those people were attacked for abusing their platform, for timing, not during the anthem, for allowing their message to infect people's fun. Shut up and dribble. But protests need to be disruptive. They can't just be a bunch of people sitting in a corner of a park that has been roped off. That isn't a protest or a demonstration. MLK marched down streets disrupted economies, force people to change their behavior. Attacking what the messenger does or attacking the messenger are all rhetorical tricks those in power use to fight these protests. It allows them to ignore the message. We could deal with police brutality, but the protesters just threw a brick through the window of a Sephora in Malibu. So we got to start shooting those protesters. And, um, I would also caution anyone to condemn rioters uh, before they understand a few facts. 
Um, one, there's a few things that we would not have in this country if it weren't for riots. We wouldn't have eight hour work days. We wouldn't have a 40 hour week work week. We wouldn't have LGBT rights. We wouldn't have the Civil Rights Act of 1968, which happened basically days after the assassination of Martin Luther King uh, and following days of riots. Um, we wouldn't even have our own country if it weren't for riots, <laughs> okay? Um, this doesn't condone violence. It just explains why people act the way they do. Uh, MLK called riots the voices of the unheard. Um, there's a desperation to these actions that we need to understand. Understanding does not excuse behavior. It does not condone, but it does bridge our knowledge gap. Too often, those of us in power judge the actions of the oppressed. We really need to listen to those voices and actually hear them uh, and set your judgment aside for this conversation. Thank you, Shane. I had written a few things too. Uh, let's see. So systemic problems require systemic solutions. That's probably even why if those four cops are convicted, which we might know will still be an uphill battle, dealing with those four is clearly not enough. I believe if we are to tackle this, everyone needs to start adopting the core value of empathy again. I strongly feel that this core value has been de-emphasized and needs to be reestablished by everyone if we're going to have a shot at fixing any of this. There aren't both sides. There's one side, humanity. We like to reduce things to two sides because that's easier on us, cognitively. But the truth is all of these issues are really complicated take a lot of work and have a ton of personal accountability. No matter what we do, whatever side we pick, there's still a lot of work to be done in order to make an inch of progress. I will say that if you're in America, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, hopefully you all agree that hiding in your bunker is not the mark of a good political leader. And no matter what we all do, it's not going to be as simple as picking the right side and voting for them in and being done with it. It's not like we can just say no more cops and be done with it or no more protests and have that work either. Let's also not forget that the Ferguson riots happened during the Obama presidency. These issues aren't going to go away no matter who wins in November. I also wanted to, to sort of end on a quote from the great Bruce Springsteen. Nobody wins unless everybody wins. Of course, until everybody wins. Thank you. That was good. Um, so we at Dad Pods normally are a little lighter than this. And, uh, but we want to encourage everybody to go out there and act, uh, you know, call your local officials. Uh, most policing and the policies around policing is done at the local level. So we encourage everybody to go out and vote in the national election, certainly. Uh, but chances are they're, whoever you vote for as president or whoever you vote for as your, even your congressperson or your senator, uh, they're going to have very actually little uh, little influence over your local police department. That's going to be your mayor. It's going to be your city council. It's going to be your sheriff. It's going to be people like that. And you should find out everything you can about those people that you're going to vote for. Because uh, they have actually uh, as much, if not more, effect on your every day-to-day -day life uh, than the people at the highest levels of our government. Also, I encourage people to look at the, you can almost always vote on your DA, depending on the, the cycle, and that's going right. to come up for a lot of people, and that 
has a really strong uh, correlation with how people are prosecuted. In fact, people often say they'd rather have a good DA than a good judge in their trials. Right, right. Uh, and we know that uh, conservatives have been really good about packing to the judiciary in this country. Um, but DAs, you're right, DAs are voted on uh, fairly regularly, uh, both at the local level as well as at your state level. Uh, and they're going to be the ones in charge of not just prosecuting criminals, but looking at police misconduct. And uh, oftentimes, unfortunately, uh, too often, they look away when there's police misconduct. Um, Derek Chauvin, the, the police officer that, that, that murdered uh, George Floyd, had something like 19 different um, complaints on his record. Uh, he, he was never disciplined. He, was, he still has a job. Uh, if you had 19 official write-ups from your current job, uh, you wouldn't have that job. Uh, not only did he not have that job, but he was in a position where he was training rookie cops. So he had a, he had a privileged position within the Minneapolis Police Department, and that's disgusting. Yeah. Uh, also, another thing I hear from a lot of friends is like, well, I live in a, I live in California. I can't, I can't really affect this election. I don't live in a swing state. This is an issue that's been here forever. And some of the work, <laughs> Minneapolis or Minnesota is a fairly blue state. Everyone in that state has that ability now to vote some of these people out. It even went to the coroner. The coroner had a false report out there. I know in San Mateo, I like to complain. It's like, why do I get to vote on the coroner? Well, now I'm glad that some people can vote on the coroner. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. You probably shouldn't vote on the coroner. The coroner should probably be somebody that's a that's a trained pathologist and a scientist. Yeah, I, I do think it's a little ridiculous because I don't know anything about it. But in this yeah, particular but, case, but yeah, you should if you have a chance to vote, vote for somebody that's you know not going to go lockstep with a uh, with a police department and get bullied by that. Yep. Um, you know, um, we encur I encourage everybody, not my children, not our children. Uh, but I encourage everybody else to uh, find uh, the clip from uh, uh, July 8th, uh, the entire episode of John Oliver uh, on Sunday night was amazing. He tackles this issue step by step, uh, talks about the history of policing in this country, which was basically started as a brigade to uh, capture and punish runaway slaves uh, and how it's been a tool of white supremacy ever since. Uh, and that it takes, like like you pointed out, Michael, beautifully, it takes systemic change uh, from the ground up with a, within the police department uh, to change that culture and to change um, everything around um, police brutality, racial profiling, anything. Uh, police accountability is a huge thing. Um, police have had training on implicit bias and racial profiling. They know that it's wrong, but what doesn't change their behavior is that the worst thing that can happen to them typically is, Oh, I'm going to have to take this implicit bias training again. It's not, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my freedom. It's I'm going to have to take a two hour training again. So keep that in mind when you're, when you're voting for, um, these local officials, because that's, that's what you're, you know, putting in the hands of some people that maybe shouldn't, shouldn't have that power over you. 
Thank you. So again, at Dad Pods, we like to focus on dad issues. Some of these are more adult issues, how are you going to vote, what you're going to read up on. But to bring it back to, to parenting, uh, there are things that you can do, even for young children, to sort of introduce them to these issues and have them understand. Yeah. So we, want, we wanted to talk about that. Yeah. So I think, you know, we're going to talk about some, some media that you can look at from that standpoint. I think, um, you know, if you can do it safely, take your kid to a protest when they're young. Um, this one might not be one that you want to necessarily do, just given the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, as well as it's around police brutality. And uh, there, there has been some more police brutality within, within some of these um, protests. But uh, if you can find a nice safe space, I think uh, I took my kid to the Women's March in 2017 um, in San Francisco in the rain. And I think uh, he learned a lot, you know, making signs, getting out there with messages. I think it's, uh, it's important. Um, it shows democracy and work. Yeah. Uh, take your we took our kids actually to a very local, fairly small protest where we just did a, a march around the, the neighborhood. It was organized by just friends from uh, the middle school. We met at the middle school. Everyone was a socially distant march, but yeah. it was good. It was good to just to do it and to be out there. And people saw us. There was enough of us that people saw and they would, they would clap. And they, so I think it, it helps to ingrain like yeah. this is something we do. Yeah. Um, find yourself a nonprofit. Um, you know, we could mention a few, uh, but I think the main thing is, is that, uh, find yourself a nonprofit that you can, uh, if you can give money to them, whether it's around voting rights, whether it's around police brutality, whether because either these are all racial issues, uh, whether it's, um, uh, we gave money to, uh, the United Way as part partnered with, uh, BET to, uh, create like a, a, a COVID-19 fund because, Again, COVID-19 is disproportionately affecting uh, African-Americans because there's not enough disproportionately affecting African-Americans in our culture. Um, they've set up a fund uh, around uh, making sure that um, they can get treatment, they can uh, have their uh, treatment covered insurance-wise if they don't have health insurance. There's a lot of issues around that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's, uh, what is it? Uh, Operation Zero, is that actually, right? Oh, Campaign Zero. Campaign Zero. Uh, it's DeRay McKesson's nonprofit around um, police brutality. Um, I think that's a good one. Um, there are lots of uh, nonprofits that have popped up just in the last few weeks um, and lobbyists that are talking about uh, defunding police departments. Uh, we think that's certainly something that people should explore. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, there's lots of things you can do if you have the resources. Uh, you know, march if you can. Uh, if you can't, donate. Uh, if you can't do that, if you've got a great social media platform, you know, push all that stuff out. Um, yep, even if you don't have a great social media platform, push all that stuff out. Um, or just, or I think just read I have, about it. Just read about it. You know, ask somebody. If you have a friend who's African American, talk to them. Um, you know, learn more stuff about it. If you don't have African-American friends, make some. Yep. So. These are all important things. Yeah. So let's start talking about media. Yeah. It starts pretty young. 
It does. It does. I mean, preschoolers, every, like, you know, our kids have always been sort of hooked into some sort of device or, you know, something, whether it be an iPhone or an iPad or a laptop, you know, they're technologically sound. They're probably playing together right now on, on Minecraft somewhere. I'm sure they are. (laughs) Yeah. So from a very young age, we, you already start with uh, Dora the Explorer. Yeah. Where kids have the idea that, uh, you know, there's Hispanic kids that speak Mm -hmm. a different language. Yeah. And uh, Dora, you know, she speaks when, when she does speak, she's got, she throws Spanish words within her, you know, English sentences. She's, uh, She's brown. She's clearly not anglified in any way, shape, or form. Um, she's a really good representation of a Mexican American kid. Yep. Uh, Sesame Street has always been good. It has been actually made for the idea of having kids yeah. uh, understand that there's lots of different kinds of people and mm-hmm. to be accepting yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, they've always had. African-Americans on that show. They've always had Hispanic Americans on that show. Uh, they've always had uh, Asian Americans on that show. Uh, every Muppet is a different color pretty much. Um, and I think that's like representate rep- representative of that as well. Um, that shows hiring practices have all been really good too. Like, you know, the puppeteers are, are people of different races and colors and creeds and religions. And, um, that's a great one. Uh, if your kid's going to sit in front of a television for three or four hours this summer because there's nothing, because you can't go outside because of the pandemic, you know, there's no camp, there's no summer school, there's no daycare. Sesame street is a really good one. Yeah. And uh, recently a CNN partnered with the children's television workshop to have Elmo interviewed and talk about the issues going on now. So I've watched some of that clip. That's, that's pretty good. My kids are mm-hmm. now, well past the age where it's something that they would watch. But it, it's, I think this is really good content to help kids understand. The, the important thing is to not hide that this is going on. Yeah. Representation is really, really important. Um, if, and not, and it, it's, it's important for uh, black and brown kids to see, you know, black and brown characters on TV and in their, as their quote unquote heroes. Um, but it's also really important for little white kids to see that as well, um, to see that their hero can not look like them. Their hero can be, you know, a woman. Their their hero can be LGBTQ. It's it's important. Right. Um, let's uh, let's uh, skip the next one and go to the uh, from an age standpoint. Uh, so Harry the Harry Potter novels I think are terrific. Uh, on this, um, I do want to uh, point out that um, uh, the author, J.K. Rowling, has said some pretty troubling things about uh, the trans community in particular, uh, particularly trans women. Um, it's, not a, it's not something that I want to go into in terms of, you know, I don't want to give it any credence. It's, it's wrong. Uh, she's wrong. Uh, and I think, um, you know, trans women are women. Trans men are men. Um, we need to be much more uh, inclusive about uh, recognizing non-binary people uh, and that gender is not sexual orientation or sex. Um, the, gender, the, the gender you were assigned as a child is not necessarily the gender that you are. 
And I think that's really important to understand. But I will say from the content of the Harry Potter novels, um, I have read them all, my son has read them all. I know that your daughters have read uh, several of them. Uh, they are tremendous in terms of uh, their, their representation of other people in that, in that group. Um, and particularly to, to sort of um, contrast it with the evil that is in that group, right? Uh, Voldemort and his followers are all about magical blood purity that is there. It's analogous to Nazis. It is analogous to white supremacy. It is analogous to everything that we should be fighting for, fighting against. Yep. The books are very much against the fight against bigotry. Uh, and that's very apparent throughout the story. So let's, as long as your kids aren't on Twitter, I think it'll be okay. Right. And I'm still as hopeful I, she'll figure it out. I this, hope so. This just happened. So there's, there's certainly a chance. It's, she's got a little bit of a, a problematic history of it. She did, she did hit it really hard uh, this past week. Um, but um, I am hopeful that she can learn and that she'll listen. Um, I think her position, and I, again, I don't want to get too much into it, is coming from like a, uh, a old school feminist position, uh, which sort of uh, recognizes the sort of uniqueness of women, which we should certainly do. Um, but yeah, um, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so I know that you've read a bunch of this and I've read some of it too. Yep. Uh, there's a comic book uh, series that started maybe five or six years ago. Um, That's right. When, when it's Marvel Comics, when Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, becomes Captain Marvel. Uh, she was previously, her name was Miss Marvel. Um, they rebooted the Miss Marvel character uh, with uh, Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan is a uh, teenaged uh, a Muslim girl living in New York City. Um, not to get too nerdy, but she's an inhuman. So uh, <laughs> I didn't know they made her an inhuman. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's activated by the Terrigen Mist. Nerd alert, nerd alert. Okay. Um, but she's activated that way. Uh, she's got these weird powers where she can make herself big and she can stretch and she's really strong. Yep. Um, but she is a, a, a brown Muslim girl who is a superhero. And it's, it's a tremendous uh, representation. Yep. And her religion and the, the attitudes of her parents, are they play a big part within the comic, which I think is really great. It's not just a side yeah. note. It's, it's actually like important to her adventures and how right. she interacts and, with the and, world. And not just a, um, a, a cartoony way, in a very kind of meaningful way. It's, it's, it's very much bringing the, the, the notion of family into the, the story, but not in a way that sort of limits Kamala. Totally. Great character. Yeah. So uh, next up on our list, we have uh, the most recent Star Wars trilogy, starting with The Force Awakens, so 7, yeah. 8, and 9. You have uh, Rey, who's a, a great hero. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, she's a, she's a woman. Mm -hmm. Finn, who's uh, not, uh, he's a, a black British uh, yeah. uh, man. And uh, we also have a Hispanic, Hispanic American played. Actually, what's his character's name? That's uh, Poe. Yeah. Poe Dameron. 
you know, played by uh, uh, Oscar Isaac. They're, uh, um, they're good movies. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're great. good movies. They're I mean, we, we had a whole Star Wars, go back to episode whatever, where we talked about Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're all good movies. And I think, you know, for this generation that's growing up watching Star Wars movies, um, somebody that's maybe between the ages of seven and 12 right now, they're going to be greatly influenced by this. And they're going to have seen a, a woman, a, a black man, and a, and a Hispanic as the main three heroes of the, of the, of the three movies that they love. Yeah. And that's important. Uh, next up is a movie that we've talked about before as well. Yeah. Blinded and by and Michael and I love this movie. This is a great movie. Now we have, we have thrown it on our families and they love it too. They all liked it. I'm, I was very happy with that. I was a little <laughs> more skeptical with my kids cause they don't really listen to any Bruce Springsteen. So yes. Blinded by the light about a uh, Muslim a uh, young man in England and he's, I can't remember. Pakistani, I believe. He's Pakistani. I'm just trying to also remember. I don't know if he was born in Pakistan or if he was born in Britain and it's that his father was the immigrant. I don't know that we know that backstory. Okay. Yeah. In the film. Within the film. Yeah. It's based on a true story. <laughs> which also seems like it'd be really interesting because it's yeah. this guy's autobiography. Yeah. And, and he it, becomes a huge huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Yes. And not only is he a huge Bruce Springsteen fan though, but the, the time that the time and place where the story takes place in the eighties, there's a lot of, um, what's it called? The national front. This is the, the neo-fascists at the time. And right. they're, you know, they're spray painting swastikas and they're, they're writing anti-Muslim things. And they actually go on a march during the course of the movie. And that's, that's a big part, a big plot mm-hmm. in the movie. And showing how, uh, not only as the main character, how it affects him, but it affects a lot of family, friends. It's it's a big part His of the story. entire community, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he found solace in the words of Bruce Springsteen. Yep, and it, it does have the quote, the, he's, towards the end of the movie, he speaks about it. Uh, Nobody wins unless everybody wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be more like Bruce people. Everyone should be more like Bruce. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Uh, the Black Panther. Um, really the first huge superhero movie with a, with a, with a black protagonist. Um, there were others. Uh, you know, the Blade series came out in the 90s. And, um, certainly, uh, African Americans have been quote-unquote heroes in movies. Uh, but this is kind of the first superhero um, that was actually a really, really uh, excellent film too. Um, uh, and I think what makes Black Panther so great um, is not just uh, this amazing culture and everything that they created around uh, Wakanda and the technologically adva- technological advancements and the intelligence and the forward-thinking society that they've created but it's the it's the villain mm-hmm. who is also um is african-american grew up in oakland uh and he's really really sympathetic um he has lived outside of wakanda this kind of um black utopia and he's lived amongst um white society that has you know kept his people down 
uh, and he rises up uh, and his attempt is to, you know, take over Wakanda and uh, basically take over the world uh, uh, in, in the name of, of black people everywhere. And uh, he's a very, very sympathetic character because of that, um, played expertly by Michael B. Jordan. Uh, and uh, so I think that's, that's one of the things about Black Panther that makes it great. Yep. I think it, it speaks to these important societal issues. That mm -hmm. that's, that's the conflict. And it's in how some, some parts of Wakanda side with him. And they say, like, yeah, this is something that we have to do. And you know, the, the need for action, like that, that actually is a central part of this. Like, well, is it okay to just sit silently while these things are going on? And it, right. I mean, and in a lot of ways, like the role of uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther, is a little bit like like he is the keeper of the tradition, and he is the keeper of uh, the way that Wakanda has always been, and he has to change. And it's very it's it's a little analogous to the way that you would think about it, like a white person in today's society. It's on them to change. It's on them to change what happens. And at the end, T'Challa opens up the borders of Wakanda. He brings the technology to the world. He starts creating community centers and science centers and outreach uh, to, to the less fortunate. And that's kind of what needs to happen for those that are in power. For those in power, they're going to have to give up some of their power. Yep. Um, so as John F. Kennedy once said, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. And I think... We're seeing some of that now. It's, yeah. and at the end of the day, it's uh, thankfully so many people are protesting. It's it's hopefully very very clear that this is a change that has to happen. That, that the, that's what people want. Mm -hmm. and it's not. <clears throat> that's that. I think that that comes through in the movie to me, really mm -hmm. clearly. Like he sort of at the end, you know, the villain was right. <laughs> change had yeah. to happen. Yeah. You can't, you can't just sit and watch the world burn. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, uh, for those of you that are interested, there, there are several different, um, uh, free to stream movies on multiple platforms. Um, I don't want to, I, I didn't look them all up, but some of these movies that are really, really, um, great movies about civil, the civil rights movement, uh, and or uh, social injustices, uh, including movies like Ali, um, the Ava DuVernay uh, movie Selma, uh, the movie that was based on a terrific book called The Hate You Give, um, Just Mercy, which I think just came out last year, uh, also with Michael B. Jordan. Um, and um, a movie that I, I highly recommend is a documentary called The 13th. Uh, it's about, uh, well, The 13th is a reference to the 13th Amendment. Uh, to the Constitution, uh, which freed the slaves, essentially. Um, and uh, the 13th um, has to do a lot with um, mass incarceration and the criminal justice system, how it's weighted heavily um, against uh, African Americans in this country. Great. Well, thank you, Shane. Thank you, Michael. I think that's our show for this week. Uh, um, 
do we want, I mean, if we want to get a little light here at the end, we can try to do a dad bod. I've got, an, I've got one in, I've got one in mind. Okay. Well, who are you thinking of? My, my dad bod of the week. Uh, there's a viral, uh, clip. Uh, if you go out and find it, it's, um, killer Mike of, uh, uh, the rap, uh, the rap group, uh, run the jewels. Okay. Uh, he's, um, uh, very politically active uh, in Atlanta, uh, and uh, he spoke uh, this week um, uh, uh, on um, uh, the protests and everything around, uh, surrounding um, uh, the, the movement. And uh, spoke really eloquently. Spoke better than any uh, I think uh, politician did over the last uh, two weeks that we've been kind of. Uh, experiencing all this so i would i would vote for killer mike he looks like a dad he's a big kind of uh teddy bear of a guy um a little bit of a you know balding head kind of looks like you know a, f a friend you, a, a friend's dad you might have had when you were 13 and he has four kids so he, there you go so he is a dad he is a dad also so i'd killer like mike to of run the jewels killer mike that's great uh, i also want to say th uh, happy birthday to geneva Whose birthday Happy actually birth happened now, by the time you hear this, it will have been quite a while. Her birthday was on the 4th, but uh, happy birthday, Geneva. Yes. Happy birthday, Geneva. All right. Well, thank you, Shane. Thank you.